This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. British billionaire Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic is about to go where no space tourism company has gone before. It announced this week that it is entering the stock market by the end of 2019. The company says it's the right time to make the move in order to operate commercially and to start turning a profit. Branson had originally looked to Saudi Arabia to help fund his space travel business, but canceled those plans after the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Instead, Virgin Galactic is merging with the investor company Social Capital Hedia Sophia, excuse me, Hedia Sophia, which will control 49% of the combined operation. Since it was founded in 2004, Virgin Galactic has raised almost a billion dollars, mostly from Branson himself, and it's already with 600 aspiring astronauts waiting who have paid $80 million for future flights. The company suffered a setback in 2014 when a test flight crashed crashed, killing one of two pilots aboard. It recovered by changing manufacturing partners and upgrading the design of its rocket-powered plane. Branson isn't the only billionaire in this commercial space race. His rivals include Blue Origin, run by Jeff Bezos, and SpaceX by Elon Musk. So will going public launch Virgin Galactic's, uh, Galactic to New Heights? With more, we are joined on the uh, joined by David Erickson, senior fellow and lecturer in the finance department at the Wharton School, and also joining us is Ian Boyd, who is a professor of aerospace engineering at uh, the University of Michigan. He's also faculty director of government relations. Gentlemen, great to have you with us today. Thank you both. Good morning, Dan. Thank you. Yep. So, David, I guess let's dig in first to the decision and this partnership that uh, Virgin Galactic is going to enter into. Yes. So, you know, I think the way best to describe it is it's a, a merger or a combination, um, and, it, and it satisfies two things. One is from a social capital perspective that did a what's called a special purpose acquisition company, IPO, back almost two years ago now. They were have been in search of a company in the technology space that they wish to acquire, um, and they had raised $600 million when they went public two years ago. And then you have Virgin Galactic, which obviously with what happened with Saudi Arabia and, the, and needing capital, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a merger of convenience, not convenience, but a merger that suits both parties. And so from what I read, the, the special purpose acquisition companies, uh, you say, have been around for a little while. But in some of the reporting I'm reading, there is a, a, a number uh, of companies that are partnering with these entities to, to develop these IPOs recently. Yeah. So, you know, they've been around 15 or 20 years. And what, what the way the market started, in essence, was you had former CEOs of companies, either they sold their company or they had um, were entrepreneurs, uh, former entrepreneurs in their previous companies. And because of their track record, they wanted to go out and, and they didn't have, they didn't, weren't germinating a new company. In essence, they wanted to go buy a company. Right. And with their track record, they were able to go to the IPO market uh, and, and in essence, talk about their track record and um, and their management team, and they would go and acquire a company. And so that's the way it started. And you often have, in recent years, you've had a lot of private equity partners that were at the, the big firms, whether it be Blackstone or, or other major firms, that have left. And instead of raising their own new fund, um, which can take, from a private equity standpoint, can take six to nine months, 
In this case, they can go to the IPO market using their track record and their credentials um, and the management team that they, they're, they're building, and they can get a, get a transaction done relatively quickly. Right. But in this case, instead of a fund where you buy multiple companies, in this case, you buy one company. Um, so that's the way the process works. So, Ian, from, from, the, from the engineering side of this, it appears from the comments made by Mr. Branson and some of the other people involved here that they believe they are very close to being able to have these flights going on a full-time basis. Yeah, I think they're obviously, you know, leaning forward and trying to um, project a lot of uh, confidence. And I think the IPO, you know, is part of that. Um, but, you know, this is, I mean, literally uh, rocket science. And uh, I think the, one of the keys is to be able to um, demonstrate, you know, safety and reliability. And, um, you know, Virgin Galactic have had a couple of flight tests, but I think they're going to have to, to have several more to really show that they're ready to go. What are, what are the key components that they still need to prove then, Ian? Well, I think the way their uh, system works is, you know, they, they take an aircraft up to, uh, to high altitude, and then they fire a rocket to get to the edge of space, and then um, you're still in an aircraft, and that glides back uh, to the ground. When they had their accident, which was a few years ago, um, they were cited for, you know, in, in the post-crash investigation, they were cited for a lack of, um, you know, sufficient safeguards in the design of the vehicle and training um, and, and, and lack of oversight by the Federal Aviation Authority. So there are, there are this is so new, you know, space tourism is such a new um, yeah. sort of endeavor that there, there are a variety of things, not just the engineering, but um, regulations as well, and, and things like training. I mean, the, the, this is a completely unique vehicle, and um, it takes a little while to shake out, you know, how to work these things. And, and because these are private companies, we do need to consider a regulatory piece moving forward, correct? Well, I think so. You know, so, so again, the, the Federal Aviation Authority, the FAA, um, has jurisdiction over this kind of uh, transportation. And there's something called the Commercial Space Act, uh, which is very interesting because what it says is basically it allows the FAA Really, the only um, the only tool they have is that they can they can ban uh, designs and practices that have already been shown to be unsafe. So what that, so what that means is, if there's a flight and something goes wrong, then the FAA can say, well, you can't do that same flight again. But you almost have to wait until something goes wrong for the mm-hmm. FAA to be able to step in. So this is very similar to how uh, commercial aviation began way back in the 1920s. And I think that in the modern era, you know, I'm not sure that's uh, going to be an acceptable approach. I think, you know, as Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin in particular get closer, uh, I think we're going to see some some policy um, activity. David, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it, when you think about it in terms of the public market context, it's obviously seemed to be a very early stage in speculative investment. Matter of fact, when when social capital did the SPAC originally, they proclaimed this was a new way to do venture capital. So, you know, I, I see it in a very early stage, very speculative opportunity. Could be a huge opportunity, but, you know, um, it, you know, the metrics that they've talked about from a valuation perspective, pro forma approvals from their shareholder, from the society capital shareholders, is something like two and a half times expected revenue in 2023. Mm-hmm. So when you put that in the context of public companies, um, um, 
you're talking about almost biotech company type, uh, very early stage in terms of there's years away from actually producing revenue. It looks from the from the outside, David, that we're in a situation where, as I mentioned at the top, uh, Richard Branson has put a lot of money into this project uh, over the last several years. Uh, and, and to a degree, I guess that that financing mechanism is now going to shift more so away from from Branson to this money that they would be raising through the IPO. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's not really an IPO again; right. it's, it's yeah. more of a merger. But there's there's the the six hundred million dollars that society, social capital raised in their IPO has been in trust, and what they've said in the announcement is the majority of that, whatever's re- remaining, uh, will go to be cash on the balance sheet for for the new entity for the new co uh, when they cl- when the transaction closes. Um, so. They obviously have a significant amount of cash on balance sheet. It will be a public company, yep. so they have access to be able to do additional capital raisings like uh, any other you know public company that's gone public, um, as well as access the debt markets. But the shareholders would have to the shareholders for for the uh, for social capital will still have to make the approval on this move and to a degree make the approval that uh, that a majority of that money would go to this project. Correct. Correct. Yes, and so as in a typical merger and acquisition situation, or in most cases, uh, there is a proxy that needs to be filed with the SEC by social capital that details the transaction in more detail, um, which provides their shareholders, um, you know, the opportunity to review it, and then at some point a vote will be scheduled for all their shareholders. So the proxy, we should see more detail on this probably in the next month or so in terms of a a filed proxy with the SEC. So would there, I guess there would not be the typical roadshow that is normally associated with a company going with an IPO where they go out and they're looking for investors. Yeah, no, they they have the investors, yeah. but but they are it's a tip it's a different type of roadshow. It's a, it's really an M&A roadshow. They would be going to their existing shareholders right. talking through the deal and this but the money's already been raised. Right. Um, so it's it's a different process. So I think it gives Virgin Galactic, given their quite early stage and speculative in terms of producing, you know, the typical revenues and, and financials, uh, it gives them a way to access the public markets, but not having to face the scrutiny they would typically face in a two-week IPO roadshow where they're, they're you know, investors are opining whether they're going to give them money or not. They would, have the money. Would social capital be uh, accepting new investors coming into this? Or, you know, what would be the path? If, if somebody that had the capital said, you know what, I want to get on board with this, could they go to social capital and say, hey, listen, can we jump in on this? I, I'm sure it's possible. I mean, I, social capital... The founder of Social Capital, when the deal was announced earlier this week, uh, Shamath, who would be the chairman of the pro forma entity uh, when it when it is actually public, right. announced that they will be uh, adding, you know, investing another hundred million dollars themselves at closing. So I would assume there is an, a, a, a way for other uh, potential investors to also add more capital in the situation. Um, you know, as part of it. I'm going to ask the same question to both of you, but obviously from your different areas of expertise. So, David, what do you think this move means for the other companies that are kind of in this space, like Blue Origin and SpaceX, on the business side? Um, well, I think from – I'll, I'll, I'll answer it from a finance perspective. Okay. I think Blue Origin is a little bit different because Jeff Bezos seems to have 
an unlimited checkbook. I think in the case of SpaceX, with Elon Musk at the helm of this as well as Tesla, um, I think they are probably a little bit more capital constrained potentially. Right. Um, and they may look to try to access the public markets at some point. I think there's more pressure on potentially SpaceX to access the markets or additional financing in, in the next, let's say, two, next two to three years than there is for Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin. Ian, what are your thoughts on, on this from the, from the uh, engineering side? Well, I think that in terms of space tourism, we're really just um, comparing Virgin and uh, Blue Origin. SpaceX really has not gotten serious uh, discussion about uh, space tourism. And I think, you know, there's there's definitely a connection between the technology and the engineering and the finance side, because I think that, you know, where Blue Origin maybe has an advantage is they're 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 developing these um, space tourism capabilities at the same time as they're developing um, you know, space, commercial space launch activities and capabilities. And so they're, they're able to build off of those two things at the same time, and they are, you know, starting to get revenue on, on the space launch uh, side of things. And so I think for, you know, Virgin Galactic, they also have aspirations for putting small uh, payloads into orbit, but it's not exactly the same system um, that they're thinking of using for the space tourism. So I, so I, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, an, an expert on the financial side of things, of course, uh, right. like David is, but I think that perhaps this this IPO-like mechanism that's been announced this week, um, it, it kind of illustrates the difference between where these two companies are. Well, David, this has been the year of the tech IPOs. So, is this move riding the wave of that a little bit? Well, I think it's it's obviously, um, you know, I think. Technology companies have done quite well, except for those that have faced scrutiny in Washington. Um, and so the ones that have gone public, for the most part, have done quite well. There's been some outliers, whether it be Uber or, or Lyft or, or a couple others. Right. But suffice it to say, it's where you know a majority of the market, uh, in, it's where a majority of the equity market wants to be in high growth opportunities. Um, what I would so I, yes, I would say they're taking riding the wave. In one hand, but it is very early, more speculative than some of these companies that have established revenue and are probably close to profitability, if if not already profitable. And and Ian, I guess it's still relatively early on on the transport side of this for for Virgin Galactic. I mentioned 600 people have already uh, gotten their reservations, but I I would imagine the door would be open for more people in, in the very near future. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the bottom line to this activity, um, you know, both from the technology and financial side, is going to be the, the first few flights. You know, if the first few flights um, of, of any of these companies go well, then, you know, then you've built it and people will come. But um, if there's, you know, if there's anything goes wrong, um, and, and again, this is kind of what happened in commercial aviation when, when jet flights were introduced in the 1950s, the first jet uh, liner had three crashes back to back to back. Right. Um, so if something like that happens, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see if this kind of market can uh, ride that out, because I think the margins are tighter and the technology is less advanced. And and, it, and this is for vacation. I mean, I think, in, you know, with jet airliners, people could see the benefits for saving time and business and things like this. It's a, it's a narrower market. It's all going to come down to whether the first flights are executed uh, 
you know, safely. So then where is Blue Origin, in your opinion, from a technology side uh, against Virgin Galactic at this point? Well, they're two, you know, they're two quite different approaches. So, so Blue Origin, you, uh, you get launched in a rocket up to the edge of space, and then you come back down in a capsule. Uh, and, and so, again, as I was saying before, that's really um, a natural sort of progression to Blue Origin wanting to just, uh, you know, launch a little bit higher to get into orbit. Right. Um, the, the Virgin Galactic approach, as I described earlier, is you go up in an aircraft, and then you go on a rocket, and then you glide back uh, to Earth. So... They're so different in the technology approaches. I think it's very hard to say whether one is leading over the other. I think they're, I think they're neck and neck. And I think in the end, it, it actually doesn't matter who actually launches the first people first. Right. It's whether they come back safely or not. But is there, I would assume, that the, the next step in the process for Virgin Galactic, and obviously they're taking people, or they would want at least right now to take people to the edge of space, at some point they would probably want to use this technology to try and go farther thinking about other types of space flight, correct? Yeah, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they do, but I think it's a very smart approach that they have taken, both companies, which is to, to, to take a smaller step uh, and not go all the way to space because there's a lot of extra things involved there, and they can, they can learn a lot of the, the training and safety procedures and, 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 and how they have to prepare you know, the, um, the customers uh, for these kinds of um, you know, events. And um, sure, so I think this is definitely a stepping stone, but it's a, it's a smart way to do it. David, do we do we see either Blue Origin or, or why well, maybe more so Blue Origin? Do we see them think about some sort of uh, of moves similar to what Richard Branson uh, has done with social capital? You, you know, I I don't think Blue Origin would be like, again. Jeff Bezos has plenty of money, so yeah. I don't think he needs the capital. I could see, again, SpaceX with Elon Musk, because Tesla's cash-constrained as well. I, I could see Elon Musk wanting to raise capital and diversify, because, you know, just like Richard Branson has put money in to uh, Virgin Galactic to this point, Elon's put significant amounts of capital into both, personally, into both Tesla and SpaceX. So... I could see him wanting to diversify his sources of capital. Um, so I would see there. I would. I would think there would be more pressure potentially on SpaceX to go public, um, or find some sort of partner than necessarily Blue Origin. Ian. Yeah, I think that um, again, at least in the space domain, um, SpaceX, you know, is is flying. Um, uh, you know, cargo uh, to the space station. It's launching commercial satellites. Uh, it's launching military satellites. So, so SpaceX per se has uh, revenue streams. Um, it is complicated, as David said, there by you know Tesla as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure personally. I, I wonder then if there is the potential of some sort of merger, Ian, down the road because of the fact that you have these crump, uh, these three companies, and, and they are looking to a degree at this. This space flight, this commercial space flight, from different from different avenues right now. Yeah, I think I mean SpaceX has concentrated on that, and they're you know starting to to see the benefits. Um, Blue Origin is complementary between the space tourism aspect and and launching just a bit further into space. And the, the, then Virgin Galactic is really a little bit different because it's um, based on. You know, you start not with a with a rocket, but with an aircraft that that goes to to very high altitude. So, 
Uh, mergers, I, you know, uh, certainly the aerospace and defense industry, you know, in, in the last decades has been full of mergers between very large companies. But I think, as David said earlier, this is this is more like a biotech sort of early. Um, you know, stage technology area. So it's too early to say. So then, David, does this partnership come forward with Social Capital and Virgin Galactic uh, without what happened with Saudi Arabia and Branson pulling out because uh, of the concerns around the, the, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? No, I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting timing for both, um, as I said, because, you know, I think obviously... Saudi Arabia was talking about, or at least it was rumored that Saudi Arabia was talking about investing a billion dollars into Virgin Galactic. This goes back again to the pre-Khashoggi situation. Um, and, you know, social capital, it's been almost two years since they raised their IPO through the SPAC vehicle. And part of the part of the dynamics of a SPAC vehicle is that if you don't, uh, you know, the money that's, that you raise is put in trust. Uh, yeah. If you haven't consummate or come up with an agreement with acquiring a company in about two years, typically, uh, the money from the trust gets returned to the shareholders. So, um, so yeah, I think they were coming up, you know, it'll be interesting to see because in the proxy, they will have, will disclose a lot of the conversations that went back and forth in the timing of those conversations. Um, um, so we'll get a better handle on what the actual process was, but, you know, suffice to say, I think it's, it's good for both parties um, and satisfy each each party's need. And, you know, it, it, it sounds like an interesting situation as we think forward to what, you know, an, another very unique and interesting company into the public market. Right. So uh, what should we expect to see then, you think, in, in the future once they, they, they actually do start to, to hit the public markets? What, what, will, what should we expect Social Capital and, and Virgin Galactic, this partnership, uh, to, to look like on the markets? You know, it'll be interesting to see how the how social capital because social capital stock is trading currently, yeah. so uh, it will continue to trade, um, and so it it'll be interesting to see how it trades going into the shareholder vote, uh, and then how it trades post the shareholder vote, um, and you know, again, what how in, in a typical IPO circumstance you have research analysts to provide guidance on the company and right. catalysts and things like that. So I would assume. Assuming this transaction goes through and closes, and they list on the on the on the get restructured, because right now social capital is a Cayman entity, and what they said in their in some of the disclosures that they've announced already that this would be a Delaware entity going forward. So they have to restructure the company before it re-enters the or or becomes you know listed on the on the New York Stock Exchange, um, and so by definition at that point it'll we'll see how the broader market thinks of this company, Virgin Galactic, as a public company. How quickly would that would that all take place, do you think? Well, the, the consummate, sorry, the, the uh, it's, you know, they've disclosed or they've, they've announced that they hope to have it closed by the end of, this, of the year, which would mean that you could see this company, Virgin Galactic, trading on the New York Stock Exchange as early as the end of the year. That would be my guess. It yeah. could be earlier than that, but usually mm-hmm. it takes a, a bit of time. It's a u- unique dynamic to uh, to this great story of commercial spaceflight. David, Ian, thank you very much for your insight. Greatly appreciate it, and, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Great. Have a good day, Dan. 
Yep, thank you. Thank you. David Erickson from here at the Wharton School, Senior Fellow and Lecturer in the Finance Department. Uh, Ian Boyd, Professor of Aerospace Engineering at the University of Michigan, also Faculty Director of Government Relations. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.